Good morning. Welcome to Faith Church on this delightfully sunny Sunday morning. It is good for us to gather in the light of the Lord with His Word, with His people, and in the power of His Spirit. This morning we are baptizing Nora Van Proyen, so welcome to all of you who are here specifically for her baptism. It is good for us as a physical family and a church family to celebrate God's covenant of grace that goes on generation after generation. This morning, we are in our Wider and Wiser in the Word series. This is our last week for that series. We're going to be reflecting this morning on 2 Timothy again, and then tonight on 2 Peter. And after the evening service, we'll have a time for questions and answers, hopefully answers, certainly questions. Uh, So you're welcome to come back tonight as we reflect more on the Scripture. After this morning, we have a Bible memorization class that will meet in the library a few minutes after the service. Uh, Christopher Koopmans will be working through some ways to help us really get the Bible into our minds and our hearts. So you're welcome to attend that. And also after the service, we have had a, uh, we've had a Bible reading program going the last few months. If you've participated, we're wrapping that up today, and we're wrapping it up with a celebration. So there's some gifts you can pick from in the fellowship hall. If you uh, filled out any part of one of the Bible reading bookmarks or did regular Bible reading, we're going to be gracious with this. We aren't going to be whatever. Um, so if you've done regular Bible reading, participated in the program, you can pick up a uh, celebratory gift and you can pick from quite a range of things we put together there. Next week, so next week we are stepping out of our Wider and Wiser in the Word series and stepping into Luke 22 to 24. This is a series that's going to take us to Easter as we reflect on the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. So we'll step into Luke again next week. We'll also celebrate the Lord's Supper. So you're invited this week to read through those chapters of Luke and to prepare to celebrate the death, the resurrection, and the new life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now as we begin worship, please stand to receive a greeting from our Lord. To those who are called, who are beloved in God the Father and kept safe for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. And let's respond to God's greeting by bringing him our praises and requesting that he truly speak to us this morning. One desire 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, today we are blessed to baptize one of the children of our congregation, Nora Van Proyen. The Lord speaks to us through His Word, and He also conveys His grace to us by means of, of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. We'll celebrate baptism this week and the Lord's Supper next week. The water of baptism is a sign and seal of God's promise to cleanse us from sin, to renew us and to reconcile all things to himself in Christ. Because Jesus Christ is our living water, this sacrament of baptism reminds and assures us that we share in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through baptism, the Lord unites us to Christ. Through baptism, the Lord promises us the gift of his spirit. Through baptism, the Lord proclaims that we belong to his family, to the church. And in our baptism, the Lord calls us to new life and to obedience, to love and to trust God completely, to forsake the evil of the world, and to live a new and holy life. And yet, when we fall into sin, as we all do, we must not despair of God's mercy, for baptism is a sign and seal of God's eternal covenant of grace with us. Please join me in prayer. Our Heavenly Father and our holy and gracious God, we give you thanks for the gift of the waters of baptism. In the beginning of creation, your spirit moved over the waters, and, and in the waters of the flood, you destroyed evil. You led the children of Israel through the waters of the sea into the freedom of the promised land. And in the river Jordan, John baptized our Lord, and your spirit anointed him. By his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ, our living water, forgives us, frees us from sin and death, and opens the way to life everlasting. Father, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit on Nora and on all of your children, so that this water would be a spring welling up to eternal life. Wash away our sin. Raise us up to new life. Graft us into the body of Christ Pour out your Holy Spirit upon all of us today and always. And we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Logan and Bonnie, why don't you come on up now and, of course, bring Nora along. Well, since you've presented Nora for baptism, you're asked to answer the following questions before God and his people. And after Logan and Bonnie answer for their questions, I'll have a question for all of you to respond. We do, God helping us. But for the, for the parents of Nora, 
First, you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, accept the promises of God, and affirm the truth of the Christian faith, which is proclaimed in this church of Christ. And second, do you believe that Nora, though sinful in nature, is in fact received by God in Christ as a member of his covenant, and therefore ought to be baptized? And third, do you promise in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community to do all in your power to instruct Nora in the Christian faith and to lead her by your example to be Christ's disciple? Logan and Bonnie, what is your answer? We do. God helping us. And congregation, do you, the people of the Lord, promise to receive this child in love, to pray for her, to instruct her in the faith, and to sustain her in the fellowship of believers? Congregation, what is your answer? We do. God us. Amen. Our Lord said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as this little one. Nora Noel Van Proyen, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Can I take her for a minute? Yeah, I know. Grace is sometimes hard for all of us to receive, but it's okay. Congregation, this is Nora, and isn't she a wonderful gift from God? So we have a tradition here at Faith that we give a scriptural blessing to all of our children when we baptize them. And Nora, I usually pray about this a bit the week before time, look at some scriptures, think about the name the parents had chosen to give their child. And Nora, well, it goes back to honorable, but it also has connections to the Old Testament word for light. And as we're reflecting on scripture this morning and baptizing Nora, I thought Psalm 119 verse 105 would really fit. So receive this blessing, and may this be always true of you, Nora. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And may that be true for you and for all of us. We're going to continue in worship responding to God's grace by singing, God, the Father of your people, let's stand to sing.
I have two announcements before we pray. A week ago, Laura Miller's father, Paul, died. This past Friday, her mother, Ann Jerusik, fell and broke a hip. And as a result of that, the memorial service for Paul has been postponed. A member of our congregation, Hector Plummer, had a massive stroke this week and died yesterday. Let's pray together. Lord, when we come together on a Sunday morning, we do so to remember, to remember who you are, to realize once more that we love and serve a God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we love and serve you in response to your having created us, to your having purchased us, to your claiming us as part of your family, to your assurance that we will live with you forever and ever and ever. We adore you, our Lord, and we want in this hour to honor you. We also want to receive some of your good things for us that we might be better after the hour than we were at the beginning. Come into our lives in a fresh way now. Do a work in us as we pray, as we look at the scriptures, as we sing praise to you. Lord, for most of us, there's a pattern birth, and then baptism, and then illness, and then death, and then resurrection. We're grateful for birth, and today we're grateful for baptism. What a wonderful thing we have just experienced together. But when we move on to illness, we don't call that wonderful but we do care for one another in the midst of that illness. And we pray today for Phyllis Van Campen, who's been struggling for a couple of years now. We pray for Ben Vandernald, who's so aware of being old and weak. We pray for Ann Jerusik for full healing from this hip fracture. And there are so many others in our midst. God, we care. And we want to realize that you care as well, right in the midst of the illnesses that we experience. And then no one of us has experienced death yet. We sometimes want it. We often fear it, and we wonder about it. And now our brother Hector has experienced it. And we are grateful that the other side of death is so much better for him as it will be for us as well. 
And then we want to think about resurrection because we realize that's the great moment. That day when we walk out of those graves, that day when we are made whole, that day when we are fully united with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh God, when we think about that, we long for it. And we pray this morning, come quickly, Lord Jesus. God, we've come here this morning to remember. We've come here to worship. We thank you for those who help us worship. We thank you for those who serve as our musicians week after week and who point us to you. We thank you for the one who speaks your word to us. And we pray that today there will be a special power in the sermon that you will keep us from being distracted and you will enable us to give our full attention and to receive your word for us this morning. And then for many of us, we'll be gathering again next Sunday morning for the Lord's Supper. We're grateful for that sacrament, that other sacrament, that moment that points us to being united to Jesus. Help us to prepare for that, to think about our own sins and to confess them, to think about reconciliation where, where there are other people that, oh, it's just not right yet, and help us to make it right in this coming week. And now, Lord, we thank you that we can pray to you, and we ask that you will hear our prayers and answer them out of your abundance. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we usually do, I'm going to invite the children ages three through kindergarten to come up now for our children's church blessing. In just a moment, these young ones are going to go out. They'll be in a room on the south end of church, and they will be continuing in worship, hearing a story from God's word, bringing him praises and responding. But we, uh, we always send them out with a prayer, just as we have promised a moment ago in baptism, we pray for our young ones and try to lead them in the faith. So people of God, what is our prayer for these children? And now, go in peace. As they go in peace and enthusiasm, we are going to stand and continue praising the Lord through song. Let's stand to sing.
This morning's offering is for DuPage Pads. DuPage Pads has been serving the community for over 35 years with the mission of ending homelessness in DuPage County. Let us pray. Dear Lord, please bless this offering that we give. Let these monies help fulfill your will in caring for those in need. Please continue the work of DuPage Pads. In Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare to hear the word of the Lord, let's again go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we ask that you speak to us today. Through these ancient words that we will read and through your living and powerful spirit, we ask that you impart to us hope. Give us deeper life in you. Help us to come to know and to love you more, even through these few minutes that we spend together this morning. Lord, we are desperately in need of you. Please work in us. Please assure, comfort, correct, and guide us even now. We pray this in your name. Amen. 
So we're in a a brief series focused specifically on the Bible and what the Bible has to say about itself. We're going to read the same text as we did last week. Last week we focused on the first maybe two-thirds or so. This week we'll focus on the last third. But to help us pay attention, since this is a text we're reading again, I'm going to ask that you stand for the reading of God's Word today. And then after we hear the Word read, we are going to respond with the song, Trust and Obey. So please stand now to hear God's Word. We'll hear God's Word and then respond with song. Hear now the Word of the Lord from 2 Timothy chapter 3. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord.
I want to start the sermon this morning by asking you to reflect on what stories you tell yourself about the Bible. What stories do you tell yourself about the Bible? In counseling, it can be really helpful sometimes to to ask people to step back and and instead of reflecting on the circumstances, ask them to to think about how they're thinking about the circumstance, to think about when they're in a situation, what they're telling themselves, what what they are presenting to themselves as reality in this particular circumstance. And sometimes those stories may be absolutely true and right on, or, or sometimes they may be false and just not quite there. But But in every situation in life, you can say that we are telling ourselves stories. So what story or stories do you tell yourself about the Bible? Do you say, this is is a hard book and I'm not much of a reader, so I just don't know how I can get into this book? Do you say, this this book has given me hope in some really hard times. This This is what I hold on to when things are really rough in my life. Do you say, this book doesn't make any sense. There's all those genealogies and there's those things that I just don't get. I don't know what to do with it. You see, I don't, I don't like what the Bible has to say to me. There are things that do not line up with what, with what I think ought to be. What story or what stories are you telling yourself about the Bible? And we all have stories that we tell ourselves about the Bible. And it's significant that we acknowledge those stories and, and get them out in front, but But this morning, I want us to go to another level and not ask what stories do we tell ourselves about the Bible, but what story does the Bible tell us about itself? We are, as a church, committed to to the proposition that the Bible is self-authenticating, that it is an authority that grounds itself. We we also talk about the work of the Spirit in convincing us that the Bible is truly from God, but but ultimately we want to hear what God, as He speaks through the Bible, has to say about His Word. There's recent philosophical language in the Reformed tradition and some other traditions have picked it up that, that belief in the Bible is properly basic. That is, it's something, and those are technical terms, properly basic. It's, it's something that is basic to the rest of what we believe. So what, what does the Bible tell us about itself? And we saw last week as we read this scripture that the Bible tells us to, to continue to be faithful in what we have heard and learned in the church community over the centuries. And the Bible tells us that, that it makes us wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. This shows us the path to salvation. And the Bible tells us about itself that it is inspired, that it is God-breathed, that this book, unlike any other, is is breathed out by God Himself. And that's as far as we got last week. And, And this week, we continue with 2 Timothy telling us that the Bible is useful. The Bible, Scripture, is useful. And then these verses list out several, several activities, several means, and then a goal. The Bible is useful to do these things to move us to this goal. So we're going to talk through those activities the scriptures lay out for us and then talk about the goal they bring us to. And and the first activity is that the Bible is useful for teaching. The Bible shows us what is true. As I mentioned last week, the the Bible is is like glasses. It's a lens that, that helps us to see better. 
I want to talk about a couple more lenses today, ways the Bible helps us see. And we're going to have a couple pictures to help us with that. So let's go to the, the first picture there. This is a picture from the James Webb Telescope. Many of you know about that. It's a fairly new telescope that has enabled us to see creation, to see the universe in ways that we could not with our own eyes. Well, the scripture is like a spiritual telescope, and it it opens up to us the big picture of creation. It helps us to see farther and higher and better than we could ever see on our own. The Bible gives us a a orienting story, a, a way to shape our experience of the world that we would never get to on our own. And I want to give you just a quick version of the orienting story the Bible gives us. The Bible tells us that the Lord created the world. The Lord made the world, and so we can trust that this is a world that we belong in. We can trust that this is a world of order and purpose, creation. God made the world. But then the Bible tells us of the fall. The Bible tells us, in essence, we broke the world. Instead of following God and developing His good creation in good ways, we We turned away from God and we broke creation and we go our own way. And the scripture in our own lives, but the scripture is is a story of people continually turning away from the Lord. But along with that ongoing pattern, the scripture gives us this pattern from, from almost the very beginning, from just after the fall, the Bible tells us about redemption. It tells us that through Jesus Christ, through his powerful work, the Lord is at work buying us back, redeeming us making us right. And then the scriptures promise us the the consummation or the restoration, the, the time that when Jesus returns, all will be made right. This is the big story of the universe that the scripture opens up for us. And we could not get there on our own. There is nothing in creation itself that would tell us that story in that clear terms. But the scripture tells us, here's the big story. From creation to restoration, the Lord is at work and he brings us along. Let's go to the next picture now, and this is, this is a different lens. If a telescope is a world, or if a telescope is a world to help us see the big picture, a microscope is a, world, is a lens to help us see the small picture, and this is, this is a very zoomed-in picture of a plant. And the scripture, along with giving us that big story, the story of all creation, it also gives us a story that shapes each one of our lives, that you... You are a child of God. You were formed and fashioned, shaped and molded, created by the Lord. And so we can look at our own lives and we can see if, if we open our eyes, if we look through the right lens, we can see how God provides for us, how the Lord in Jesus Christ has provided salvation and, and not just generic salvation for people out there, but salvation specifically for each one of God's children. The scriptures give us a lens to see the big story, but also a lens to see that in our own lives, God is at work. The scriptures teach us this. But then the scriptures are also useful for, for rebuking and correcting. And I'm going to treat both of these together because I, well, different scholars break them down different ways, but everybody agrees on the big picture. So I'm going to talk about how scripture rebukes and corrects in one go here. And we should maybe start by saying rebuking and correction are not our favorite thing to receive or, or often to give, but we need it. We need it. 
there was a, a youth group that I went to in high school, and, and there was one particular volunteer youth leader whose name was Larry, and Larry was quite a colorful guy. He, he always had interesting stories to tell. He worked as a handyman and kind of general fixer-upper for an apartment complex, and he told this story a few times, that he was working outside one of the apartment buildings with one of the other handymen there, and, and they were doing something with, and he always was really vague on this point, I think in part so us boys wouldn't copy him because I think he was being kind of dumb, but they were working with something kind of flammable. And he and this other guy were working, and it was winter, so it was kind of cold out. And then at one point, Larry started feeling a little funny, and he looked down, and his coveralls were on fire. His first thought was, oh, that's funny. And his second thought was, I'm on fire! And he looked around, and a little ways away, there was a water faucet, and he was about to dash for it when he looked over and made eye contact with Ned, the other handyman, and then just as he lifted up his foot to dash for the faucet, all of a sudden, wham! And Larry all of a sudden was on the ground, kind of shaking a little bit, and Ned had whipped off his jacket and tackled Larry, and he was beating on him and rolling him around, and, and then after that was done, Larry looked at Ned and said, what did you do that for? And Ned said, I could see that you were going to run to the water faucet, and what was going to happen is you were going to turn into a human torch. You idiot. Stop, drop, and roll. What were you thinking? You know, sometimes the Scripture has to tackle our thinking. We're going down the wrong road, and and maybe we know better, but it isn't activated right now, and the Scripture has to knock us down and say, don't do that. And sometimes it's our behavior. And none of us like this, but sometimes the scriptures have to knock us flat and say, do not do that. What you are doing or what you're about to do, it's going to kill you. It's the road to death. And so we, we need to hear the scripture even when it comes to us and says things that maybe, maybe we don't like things that maybe knock us over or disorient us a bit. We need at times, because we are fallen, because we are broken, because we are imperfect, we need sometimes, and sometimes it's just a gentle reminder, and sometimes we need to be knocked flat and reminded of what is true and what is right. And now we can discuss, and there are all kinds of discussions out there about about what is true and what is right, and the Scripture itself and the church over the years has developed a lot of ways for for us to test and to really see what is true, to really see what the Bible means. But we need to have a fundamental attitude toward the Scripture that is often lacking in our culture, and if we're often, often lacking in our hearts and our minds. You see, what we want to do What we want to do is rebuke and correct the Scriptures. We want to read and say, no, that's too hard. We don't need to do that. That story's kind of weird. That doesn't make any sense. We'll just chop those parts out. We want to stand in judgment on God's Word. And God's Word is, is hard. It challenges us in so many ways. But we need to come with a fundamental attitude, not that we look down on God's Word and we get to rebuke and correct and judge it, but that we look, we look up to God's Word. And we let the light of God's Word be a lamp and a light for our path, even when it shows us that, that we aren't headed the direction we really need to be going. Even when following God's Word is going to cost us something, we need to heed its rebuke and correction. Do we stand in judgment over Scripture? Well, often we do, 
but the way that we should live. The story the Bible tells us about itself, the way that God intends for this book to function is for us to stand under, under the rebuke and the correction of Scripture. And that leads us to the fourth activity that Scripture itself tells us it's useful for. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And that word for training is literally pedia. It has to do with, well, with being young and being formed and led. The Bible intends to coach us, to bring us up, to form us, to train us. And this, if rebuking and correcting are, are negative words, training is, is completely the opposite. It is a very positive word. It gives this picture of, of unfolding what is there but needs development, of taking some, some raw material almost and turning it into a tremendously polished, finished product, of taking someone who is immature and turning them into someone who is mature, and, and it even begins to border on language of perfection. The Bible is like a coach who comes and says, you know, if you take a breath at this point in your stroke, you probably can shave the five seconds that you need off to, to move up onto the podium. Or, you know, if you measure twice, you're probably only going to have to cut once, and you're probably going to use a whole lot less material. Or, you know, if you remember to set the timer when you put the cake in the oven, you're going to burn a whole lot fewer cakes. The Bible comes to us and it shows us how we can live better. Not just how we cannot do wrong things, but how we can do more right things and how we can, how we can be more and more who God made us to be. And the scriptures give us this picture. You know, sometimes I, I think in the Christian life we picture it as if it, as if it squeezes all of us into this one mold and, and as if it's uncomfortable and unpleasant. But what scripture intends to do more is as well, if you picture us as plants, it tends to help all of us unfold in the particular ways that God has made us. And no two plants are alike, but, but all kinds of plants can be magnificent. And what Scripture intends to do is to, to help all of us grow and unfold into who God made us to be. There are all kinds of ways in our lives that we are that we are maybe wrong and need rebuke and correction, but there are all kinds of ways, too, where we are not yet complete, where we are, we are immature, not in the sense of, of being unpleasant, but just in the sense of not having developed everything yet. And Scripture helps us to open up our lives and to become more and more who, who really, really deep down we want to be. And that's what Scripture tells us it is useful for. There are these activities that Scripture does, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and all of that brings us so that, well, as the text says, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture intends for us to use it to help us grow into being thoroughly equipped for every good work. There is language there, again, of, of flowering, of perfection, of becoming more than you ever dreamed you could be. That is what the Scripture is for us. Now, there's, there's a double meaning with one phrase in that passage behind the phrase, man of God, there at the end, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That can be translated man of God, that word anthropos, man, or it can be translated generically human. 
the man of God or the human of God. And, and I think the NIV gets it right when it translates man because that gives us some sense of the double meaning there. And I think there is a double meaning that Paul, who wrote this book, intended. And one meaning is to focus specifically on who he's writing to, to his original audience of one, to Timothy. And Timothy is a man who's working to be a pastor. He's serving a church. He's, he's leading and guiding God's people. And this text is saying those who lead and guide Specifically, you, Timothy, but, but all who lead and guide are called to be taught and rebuke and corrected and trained before they teach. And so for those of us who, those of us who lead, pastors especially, but all who lead in the church, we are called ourselves to be disciples before we disciple others. We are called to submit ourselves to the Scripture and always to have it be clear that, that it is the Lord. It is the Lord who defines the church. It is the Lord who leads and guides us. And all of us who serve the church serve the church as servants of the Lord. Now, that, that can be a real challenge, and I want to highlight a couple ways that can be a challenge. It can be a challenge from the end of those of us who are in leadership that we seek to lord it over others, and, and that is not what this text calls us to. What this text calls us to as leaders is to submit to the scriptures and submit to the Lord so that we can serve the church. So from the leadership end, we are called, and this is a reminder to me, but also to all who lead, who teach, who preach, that we are to be under the authority of the Lord. But then also from, from the end of all who are disciples of the Lord, you know, Dr. Wyma, who was here a couple weeks ago and kicked off this sermon series in his presentation afterwards, he said often, often, well, how do we by default evaluate sermons and church leadership? Well, we think about sermons in terms of, are they funny? And are they short? And especially, are they short? That's what we think a good sermon is. But what Dr. Wyma challenged all of us to think about when it comes to, to preaching and to following the Lord is, is it biblical? Is it faithful? And so as you come to church week after week, as you engage in different ministries, and whether you're here at Faith or another church, the questions you should be asking are not, am I interested in this? Am I amused by this? Do I like this? There's a place for that. But the question you should really be asking is, is this biblical? Does this reflect what the Lord has to say? Is this drawing me closer to Jesus or not? And for you as a congregation, and if you don't go here, for you in the congregation you're part of, and if you don't go to church, this is a wonderful church, you should join. I'm kidding, but I'm not. But for those of us who are more on the receiving end of discipleship these days, it, it is totally in balance to ask those questions. Am I, am I being engaged? Are the ministries high quality? And if they aren't, then, then talk to the leadership about it. If you feel like I'm going too long or I'm boring, let me know and I'll do my best to adjust. But but again, really make the priority. Are we being biblical and are we being faithful? So that's the more man of God, but there's also that just human of God so that every believer may be fully equipped to do good work as a man or a woman of God. And that is what the scripture is for. It is not, it is not just to give us sort of this egghead, oh, I know everything about God's plan. Ha ha, look at me. The point of how we use Scripture is for us to be formed, to be fully equipped, ultimately more and more into the image of God. The Scripture set out to make us more human, 
to make us more like Christ. And so as you engage with the Bible, as you engage with the Bible, yes, submit, submit to the authority of the Lord, but also see how He wants you to grow, how He wants you to become more faithful, how He wants you to become more vibrantly alive, how He wants these words from Him to walk with you through the darkest seasons of your life, to assure you that Jesus is with you and for you, and that He will be with you and for you to the very end and then on into the next life. Now, discipleship is not a zero to 60 kind of thing or an on-off switch. It's more of a, it's more of a huge spectrum from zero to 10,000. And all of us are on different places along that, that route. Hopefully, we're all moving forward. But, but there may be times we go backwards or go forwards. But, but the point is that we are growing. The point is that we are truly receiving what the Lord has to give us through His Word and through His Spirit, and that, that we are moving toward Him. And so I want to invite you today to move more toward Jesus, to move closer toward the Word of God in the Scriptures to heed more and more the Spirit's prompting and pulling and pushing you to draw closer to Jesus. I want to invite you, whatever story you are telling yourself about the Scripture, whatever story you are telling yourself about the Word of God, to to intentionally reshape that story, to have the story you tell yourself be more the story that Scripture is telling us. And, And what Scripture is telling us is that this book is a gift from God Himself for His children a gift intended to draw us closer to the Lord, a gift intended to make us better, to make us live lives that are more holy and more healthy, more in tune with how God created us to be, and more in tune with the praises that we will sing to the Lord for all eternity. Receive this book as a gift from the Lord for you, His child. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the gifts that you give us. As we gather this morning, we are grateful for the gift of baptism, for this sign and seal of your work, for this this indication to us that you are a promise-making and promise-keeping God. And Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for this gift through which you, you have given us your word, your promises. Grateful for this gift through which you continue to speak to us. Father, we do ask that you continue to speak into our lives. Through your word and through your spirit, reshape us, form us, draw us closer to you. Help us to live more and more doing your good work. We pray all this in your name. Amen.